When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having a putrid week. Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Jacob Redmond. Jacob, I know you haven't had the best week yourself. <laughs> How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling better. Uh, you know, last week we did have to take a week off because I was not feeling very well. I was really feeling sick. But it's okay. I've been on a strict regimen of onion and banana juice, and I'm feeling a lot better now. Oh, that! <laughs> I, I hope you are after drinking that nasty crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm also sure that that's like one of the best diets. Like eating gross food has to be one of the best ways to like shed weight. Uh, like no one's gaining <laughs> weight if they're eating onion and banana juice. That's true. That's true. No wonder Ang and the Guru are pretty lean and mean. So exactly. there you go. Exactly. It's honestly like a health supplement at that point. (laughs) And, and, you know, you're getting your fruits, your veggies, you're getting everything you need. Uh, Yeah. Honestly, I've never felt better. Actually, that's far from the truth. (laughs) Yeah, in all seriousness, though. Yeah, I see. In all seriousness, you're doing all right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, I'm, uh, you know, last week I would not have been in any sort of shape to record, but I'm back. I'm doing well. I'm very excited. We're talking about a great part of Avatar. We're getting into the like the the crossroads of destiny last uh, or next week. Sorry, um, this is like season two. It's like culminating. It's coming to an end, and I'm super excited to be back here. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, we've been doing this podcast for more almost a year now, or like I oh, know it, it's been like a year. It's crazy how time has flown. I know Going, it feels like we were just talking about the premiere yesterday. Honestly. Right. Like we we were just making like silly jokes about games that with no rules and fish in the pockets, like all <laughs> yeah. things, all things that now like, uh, yeah, like, you know, are so deep within this uh, podcast lore. But yeah, it's been it's been really fun going through all these episodes and we're almost at the end of season two, which is like a huge marker. It's insane. But this episode, I don't know if I enjoyed it that much. I feel like it's a necessary episode because it's a lot of it is exposition and setup for the crossroads of destiny. And that is one of my favorite episodes of all time. But this episode, not so much. It's kind of like boring in it, especially comparing it to the crossroads of destiny. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're doing a lot of setup with this. A lot episode. of exposition. This, yeah. this is like a ton of exposition. We're getting a lot of details. You know, it's like, Yeah, in any sort of finale where you are culminating to one final thing, you do have to sort of like go and make sure everything actually will, I don't know, work out. Everything will like have some meaning towards the end. And I guess sometimes that means that you have to have a big exposition dump the episode before the finale. Uh, Ideally, you wouldn't. But hey, that's uh, that's what we're left with here. Yeah, I know I'm kind of disappointed because I, I went in this episode like, oh, it's one episode for the Crossroads of Destiny. A lot of crazy stuff was about to happen. And then it was a whole lot of nothing, I thought, especially with the guru stuff. I don't know. It kind of bored me at times. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely like a lead up episode. And you can yeah. tell this episode is like definitely meant to be watched, um, at least like 
really quickly with the crossroads of destiny yes. and not like yes. meant to be in a binge because like yeah this episode really does have just a lot that leads directly into next week's episode and i think next week we'll have a lot to talk about i think next oh, week definitely we'll, yeah we'll, we'll have a lot but here uh we're mainly just talking about different foods uh i'm pretty sure that's <laughs> like, my notes are just like on different types of food uh we have like um you know a soup that Iro makes. We've got some banana and onion. We've got tea being made. Like, this is literally just a food review podcast at this point. Well, do you want to dive right into it? Because the first scene, we got some food talk right away. Yeah, uh, good thing you know. Good thing I've already eaten dinner, or else this podcast would be hard to get through. You know, with so much, so many appetizing meals like uh, <laughs> delicious zook and some nice uh, onion and banana. Ooh, I'm getting hungry already. I need dessert. Yeah, that's some yummy food, the juke and the onion and banana juice. I, so we'll get into it right now. So the episode opens and Iro's cooking up some juke and I looked up juke and I've actually had it before. So another term for it is congee. So it's a common rice porridge dish in Asian restaurants. And I've had it before and I do not enjoy it. I don't like the consistency, not a big fan of the texture, but I have homies who love congee. So there you yeah. go. You know, when you look at it, um, I guess it can be like served in a very nice way, but especially the one that Ira was making, like this just looks like your basic like prison slop type food. Like there's really nothing going on. It just looks like gruel. Uh, like I know that there is flavor, but anytime I see like an oatmeal or a porridge or anything like that, I'm just like, ah, I'm, I'm just not here for it. Yeah, no, same. And prison slop, that's a very apt description. That's a, <laughs> I have something yeah. similar in my notes. So there I, you go. I gotta say, one of the worst parts about going to prison would be the fact that the food just has to be like pretty bad. Or maybe this is like, I don't know. Maybe this is not as bad as people like have made it out to be in the media or whatever. But that, that really is one of the biggest things deterring me from a, a life of crime is the food. Really? The food? I feel like there's a lot more things deterring me from prison, honestly. Well, because like, you know, you get time outside. Um, so that's like nice. Uh, and like, I feel like, you know, I, I do like having like basic freedoms, but I really do feel like the food is like one of the worst parts. <laughs> no. I yeah. don't know. I, I feel like I'll agree to disagree here, but I'm not going to go further. Because <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of worse things about like the food is bad. Don't get me wrong. Prison food. Nobody likes it. It's a joke for a reason. But that being said, I think prison's got a lot worse things to worry about than the food. Yeah. All right. That That's probably fair. You know, I, I've only seen this in TV. I feel like the people from the office that like they hear about prison and they're like, oh, it sounds so nice. You get time outside. and all that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess that's just just the fact that I've I've not been that is probably showing. Um, anyway, so like, yeah, we, we do start with, uh, this like prison slop and uncle Iroh is making this. And I have to say season one, Zuko would have been pissed. He would have been <laughs> so annoyed. He would have like thrown a bowl. He would have like kicked someone off of his ship. He would have been like, this is terrible. I don't want any of this, but something's gotten into Zuko. Uh, Zuko after feeling sick is just a whole new, like life has entered him. He's so much happier than he used to be. Yeah, Zuko's like enlightened. He's so positive and jubilant. I've never seen Zuko like this before. It's weird. I feel like exactly. not even in season one, Zuko. I feel like Zuko, like at two episodes ago, would have like thrown this bowl and had a tantrum. I feel like, and yet he's willing to eat up the juke. He's uh, talking about how happy he is for Iro opening up his tea shop. Look at Zuko, so, so passionate and happy here. 
Yeah, I feel like even Zuko a few episodes from now also would be like very upset about this. Like this is a very specific moment that Zuko's getting. It's like it's some clarity that he's getting post sickness. I honestly, I hope next week when we come on the podcast and I'm feeling all better, I will have the same clarity. (laughs) You're just going to be super zen and positive. Well, I mean, you 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 naturally are a positive individual, so. That's well, um, watch out for next week. Then Zach, <laughs> my life, my whole life will be changed. You'll just be like, you'll just be shook. Uh, seeing like all, all the new things I've learned about myself in this next week. I'm excited. Me too. At, at this point <laughs> now, I'm now I'm even more motivated to start feeling better. Um, but yeah, like Zuko here really is sweet. He's like, like, yeah, obviously he's feeling better after being sick. Uh, but he just seems so much happier. He's like excited that it's a new day and he really is supporting Iris tea shop. And this is so happy. Like this is, this is what I want for these people. Like I want uncle Iroh and Zuko to remain blissfully unaware of what's going on. They don't need to know about the Azula of it all. They don't need to know. They just need to eat their little crappy little porridge and just be happy. <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, it, it, it would be so nice for Zuko and Iroh to just live their lives happily and ignorant and, of what's going on, but instead they're going to run into Azula and we all know how it goes down in the next episode, but what can yeah. they do? It, it really is disappointing. Um, but yeah, I, I did, I did like the scene. I did like seeing Zuko just like so different uh, and like such a big change. I, I appreciated that quite a bit. Yeah, me too. Um, next scene we get is Aang and Sokka. They're going to Chameleon Bay where Sokka's dad is, uh, along with all the other warriors from the Southern Water Tribe, Sokka's getting like a little bit nervous. I, I think it's nerves, but it honestly, it, yeah, actually, maybe Zach, you can tell me. Like, it kind of reads like nerves and it kind of reads like he's feeling sick, uh, like from riding on Appa, but he seems to be like seasoned vet of riding on Appa. So it's the nerves. No, it's right? the nerves. I, th- I thought okay. it was the nerves. He just sick or, or nervous to meet his dad. So he just feels sick. And you, you talk about how. They have all the Water Tribes people, including Bato, the man whose episode I, I should have given a zero. I'm still pissed about I, that. <laughs> I know. When, when I started seeing him, I was like, uh-oh, this is not going to go well. Yeah, I'm just triggered every time I take a look at his face. Exactly. Like a, a pipsqueak sighting is something that we look exactly. forward to. A Bato sighting. A Bato sighting is yeah. like just terrible. I can't wait till season three. We get more pipsqueak and I can bust out the impression <laughs> more. There's no pipsqueak in season two. That's the one knock against season two of season two of Avatar. Amazing season, but the no pipsqueak knocks it down. Yeah. Everyone says pipsqueak. season, everyone says season two's pip, uh, or sorry, pip. What am I talking about? It's peak, <laughs> peak Avatar. Uh, but that's a lie. Uh, no pipsqueak means uh, it is, it is the worst season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh my gosh. The fact that I said it's Pip Avatar. <laughs> it's all good. I just know a couple seconds before I was trying to say knock down a peg and I said knock down a pedge. So there you go. We're just knock coming down out with errors. Yeah, we're just coming out with nice. errors out the gate. It's all good. Yeah, it's all right. Um, but so Sokka's really nervous. Uh, he's very worried about this. He's going to go, uh, or, and this is another funny thing is Sokka's like, Oh, are you nervous about meeting this guru at the, um, or, uh, the air temple? And Aang's like, No. <laughs> and I was like, Dude, like at this point, you got to lie to your friend. Like you have to be like, Oh, yeah, I'm also nervous, but like we can get through it together. But he's like, No, nah, I'm not nervous. Like he just yeah. totally owns that. That's a very good point. Aang just kind of no sells what Sokka's put it down here. 
<laughs> that's like so disrespectful. Yeah, I um, agree. I, I wouldn't do if I'm riding with Sokka, I'm saying I'm nervous too. But Aang just didn't pick up on what Sokka was putting down. Well, and the other thing is like, if he's nervous, you know, you might be able to walk him in be like, oh, don't worry, I'll go with you. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can help you out. But no, he just straight up dips. Like, as soon as Sokka gets off that bison, he's out. Like, he flies away immediately. He doesn't make sure things are okay. <laughs> he doesn't make th- sure things are chill. He's leaving immediately. Th- this is one thing that, like, I think I would never do is I would always, if I was, like, dropping someone off at their house, I would wait for them to get inside. Like, I wouldn't just wait for them to get to the door. I would make sure they actually got in before I'm, like, leaving. Yeah, I guess Aang is in such a hurry for some reason, even though uh, there's nothing really to be in a hurry about. Like, he has no exactly. reason. It's not like he knows Azula has infiltrated the Earth King's palace or anything like that. So I don't know what he's in such a rush for, but hey. I, I agree. I just think this is terrible etiquette. You know, if I'm dropping you off at your house, I'm definitely like, I, I'd even walk up to your house with you if that's what you need, if you're getting nervous. Like, I'm there for you. I'm a I'm a better chauffeur than Aang for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent, no question about it. You're a much better chauffeur than Aang. I, I may not be able to like unlock my chakras as fast as he does because this boy speed runs through the first six, but I could easily, easily get you home and not be like a total jerk if you ask if you're nervous. Yeah, that's the no, that's facts. Honestly, I'd much rather have you in my corner than Aang, especially after podcasting with you. I know what a nice, kind gentleman wow. you are. Rather I, have you chauffeuring me around than Aang. I'd rather, in fact, I'd even rather ride in your car than on Appa. So there you go. That is a huge compliment. <laughs> uh, you know, my car is like really, really trash. Like uh, I've not like cleaned out the back seat. Like there's like. I don't know. Leaves still, and stuff. still, I, I don't. I don't even care. That's right. how. That's how loyal to the soil I am. So there you exactly. go. I appreciate it. You know what? <laughs> you're you're a true friend. I, I appreciate this. Um. Anyway, so Aang, he just dips. He does not wait around. Uh, Sokka walks in, and this is so awkward because all of these people, as Sokka's walking in, are just like staring at him awkwardly before they like warm up to him a bit. They just like all look at him like some of them give him like some of the side eye they all like stand around they're not like so excited to see him which really surprises me yeah i think it's a little awkward until he embraces the first one of one of the tribesmen he like they do have like the handshake where they grab each other's like forearms and then yeah so then they grab each other they have the handshake and then that's when everyone starts cheering they're like hey Sako, yeah everybody so after it becomes a little less awkward do, do they know that he was coming before? Because like, I don't really know why they would communicate like, Oh, we're going because like, it's not like things get there faster than Appa could fly anyway. So this is probably like a total surprise that he's there. I'm shocked that people aren't like elated to see him. They're like, Oh my God, like how's my kid back home? Like, you know, can you tell me anything about like, uh, like grandma or whatever, like anything like that. They do not care at all. They're just trying to, like, uh, yeah, they, they totally no-sell him as well. That's a good point, because in my head, I assume that the Southern Water Tribe has more people than they actually do. The fact that they only have, like, 50 to 100 people, like, Sokka should be more of, like, a messenger here delivering these messages to these people, and yet nobody's interested. So exactly. that's a good point on your part. Like, we saw these people's kids. Like, the kids were there. They were learning, like, in uh, like Sokka's crappy warrior school in, in the <laughs> first episode. Yeah. Like, the fact that no one walks up and is like, hey, how's Jimmy? Like, terrible parents. True. 
Facts, just not not the best parents. They just don't care about their kids on the other side of the world. But maybe, I mean, exactly. maybe this all, all that happened and the writers were just too lazy to write it in. Who the hell knows? Mm, no. I, you know what? I'm choosing <laughs> to believe that these people are just bad parents. You know, I could give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not. I'm not. Um, okay. Well, there you go. Anyway, then uh, Sokka sees someone else who is – actually, no. You know what? I was going to say uh, Hakoda is not a good parent. I, I'll, I'll save that judgment. Sokka sees someone who's a decent parent. He walks into the tent. Uh, he sees a few people who are all looking at a map. He sees, as you mentioned, uh, Bato earlier. But then, more importantly, he sees his dad, Hakoda, who's very excited to see Sokka. He like gives him a smile. He, he like goes up to greet him, and we see this reunion. Uh, yeah, we see this like loving embrace between Sokka and Hakoda here. It was uh, nice. It's like Hot Dog's on the heartstrings. He hasn't seen his father the whole series until now, pretty much. So. Yeah. D- did this do anything for you? Like, were you sad? Like, were you happy to see them together? I, I was happy in the moment. I, in, the, in the moment, I was like, yeah, that's nice. He gets to see his father. That's cool. Okay. I that's didn't good. do too I wasn't like the most emotional moment of the series or anything for me, but it was like a nice touching moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. I, I think like ultimately, I don't know, maybe some of the stuff with Aang and like the guru was like even more like uh like emotionally charged than this. This was just kind of like people like greeting each other at the bar. They're like, Oh hey, what's up, man? Haven't seen you in a while. Like it, it wasn't like uh it didn't it didn't go full out for me. True. I just I kinda wish Katara could have been there so then they get the full family reunion right away. Yeah, but they'll get that eventually. So that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, so, so then they, they embrace, they're really, really happy to see each other. Uh, we go back to Bossing Say, and the Earth King is telling, uh, what he believes is the Kyoshi Warriors about his terrible week. Uh, he's saying, you know, like, my week's been bad, uh, like, my bear is stressed out, my closest <laughs> advisor has, like, uh, you know, tricked me, uh, I can't trust him anymore. But he's like, it's all right, we have plans to invade the Fire Nation, uh, and we're gonna take them over. And I just have to say, this man totally low rolls. Like, if he's playing D&D, he just rolled a one and he got so unlucky because he reveals everything to the worst possible person to let anyone know of this plan. Yeah, you can see Azula's eyebrows and eyes perk up when he mentions that he's in inv- he's the Council of Five is planning an attack on the Fire yeah. Nation. You could see it on her face that she's like, "Oh." And then what is what else she 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 has a line where she's like, "It's terrible when you can't trust the people closest to you." And then meanwhile, she's right beside him dressed up as a Kyoshi warrior. So, I, yeah. Azula in this episode plays like five or six D chess. Like Every move she makes is so immaculate. This is like watching a legend in manipulation like grow and form in front of our very eyes. Everything she does is incredible. Like she gets this information by like being a Kyoshi warrior and like even though she's like very surprised that there's this plan, she's like great. All right, I'm I'm going to like uh take this over and you know what Earth King your week is going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, his week is definitely going to be getting worse with Azula in town. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I really appreciated this. Azula, this episode was such a good character. Like, clearly the MVP of the episode to me. I think she does so many things right. The whole time I was just impressed. Yeah, and then within like an episode and a half, Azula is going to have the Dai Li firmly in her grasp. So <laughs> kudos to her. She's able. We get this like two episode rise to power from Azula. And yeah, yeah, she is the MVP of this episode. I agree completely. The Azula stuff was very captivating. I loved when she was on screen. 
And yeah, yeah we, we've been pretty impressed with Long Feng. I think like, you know, he's like, seems like he's in control. Like he's got lots of stuff going right for him. But I think Azula just play, like runs circles around him in, in this episode. Like everything she's doing is just so good. Like, yeah, honestly, uh, put her in the big brother house. <laughs> I agree. We were talking about that last week. Who's the big brother equivalent? Sorry to the non big brother fans, but who's the big brother equivalent to Azula in the house this week, this year? Is there oh, anybody? Oh my gosh. There's no one even close to her <laughs> equivalent. I mean, like some people are playing very well. Like, you know, Tiffany is doing well. Yeah. She's getting like information in the house. She's making sure that like, you know, things are getting done according to her vision of the world. Uh, and she's setting herself up nicely, but Azula in this house would have like the perfect banana and onion alliance already set up. Like <laughs> it would be layers on layers peeling back, and she would be at the center of it all. She would be crushing it. Banana and onions, I like that. <laughs> well, people say always say like an onion alliance structure where there's like different peels or whatever. But yeah, you know, banana and onion—that's the new—that's the new, that's the new uh, game. That's the new game mechanic. I just want to see Azula fire Ben Frenchie and like burn him to a crisp. That's what I want to see. Yeah, get get Frenchie fried. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Azula here uh, is able to like take in all this information. She's about to use it masterfully. Before we get to that, we get to the Council of Five. As, um, as the Earth King was saying earlier, the Council of Five is like going over this plan. They're getting ready to uh, have this invasion on the day of Black Sun. And Katara is uh, also there, um, you know, uh, hanging out, getting the plan. I have to say, this meeting room is so pretentiously large. Uh, like, it is literally a council of five people. Like, it's in the name. They don't need a room that's fit for 500. They're not that important. Yeah, I guess the Earth King likes to splurge out. He likes to spend his money in some capacity. And he's probably, he's not doing anything. So they just hit him up and they're like, yo, Earth King, we need this beautiful, lavish, (laughs) extravagant room. He's like, oh, I bet. And then he bought all that stuff for him. That's my only logical explanation for it. Yeah, that that that's the best explanation we're ever going to get. Like these people were social distancing way before they had to. Like they have five people sitting around a map that's about a hundred feet, like a uh, hundred foot by hundred foot square. Like these people are sitting twenty feet apart as they're talking. Like they're talking to Katara, who's like an entire assembly hall away. Like these people just have too much going on. It is too large. I just have to say, cut down the budget put more budget into actually fighting the fire nation. And this war wouldn't have taken a hundred years. Earth King would have won by now. Shots fired. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I have a question for you. Why did they send Katara with the plans to go to the King? Why did they send Katara? Why not one of the council of five members? Isn't this like important military stuff? Why send Katara? I don't understand. You know, you make a good point. Uh, You know, Katara earlier was going to stay back to help people strategize. Like, that's why she was not going to go see her dad last week. But why does she have to be the messenger? Like, if they have a council of five, either one of the five generals, like General Howe, can get off his lazy ass and, like, walk down the street. Or you could have a messenger. And, like, the messenger could have a full-time job to do this. I don't know why this falls on Katara to do it. Yeah, and Katara also low rolls here to steal that term for you because she's going to end up bumping into Azula and May and uh, Tylee. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And like, 
okay, so even if you're going to have Katara do it, because like maybe, you know, Katara's a guest, like maybe she wants to be involved in the planning, maybe she wants to do this. Like, why not send her with the battalion? Like, send her with a few people, send her with like one of the five council members to help her out, give her a little security. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. Because if they have one member, like if it's General Howe and Katara strolling on in, then the chances of them being subdued that easily are less likely. But yeah, instead, I mean, oh, continue. Yeah, as you said, she did low roll. Like even if she has like two of the Council of Five members, like probably Azula and her friends like knock them out and win. Probably, but probably. It gives them a much better chance. It gives them like a real fighting chance to win. So I agree. Um, I, I did think this scene was pretty funny though, uh, because so they're sitting around this map that I've already stated is like absurdly too large, um, and they're like going over the plan, uh, and they have these really cool little things uh, to signify like who are the pieces. They're like chess pieces, sort of like little uh, pieces that have different uh, kingdoms on top of them. Um, and as they're sending them around, they're showing the plan, and Momo just decides to get involved. Uh, Momo decides to jump on the board. Uh, he thinks it's like one of those play things and he starts like knocking them down. Uh, and Katara finds it hilarious. And the council of five, just deadpan talk about no cells. These people <laughs> don't care at all. Yeah. They're not amused. Cause the Katara is like, Oh, or we could send in Momo to do some damage. And then they're just like, Nope, <laughs> not entertaining exactly. that idea at all. Exactly. They did not care at all, but I did think this was very clever because the stone pieces uh, could be moved around using earth bending uh, you know, they have way too large of a map. So obviously they can't like do it themselves because uh, they'd have to like stand on the map or whatever. Um, but because they can do earthbending, they can like move around these little chess pieces to say who goes where. Um, so, I, you know, I thought that was clever. I'll give the Council of Five some credit. Yeah, that was cool. I like the fact that they earthbend. Like when uh, Momo knocks them all over, they earthbend them all upright, which I thought was like a cool yep. use of earthbending. So. Which which really like scares Momo uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, poor Momo. Yeah, Momo in this episode is kind of like a cat. Uh, you know, like like jumping around on the little toys, like chasing around the moving pieces. Like that's exactly like a cat would do. I have to say cats in the Earth Kingdom must have such a good time if they like if the person can just like mess with the stuff from far away and like move it and all that. Yeah, that's true. I never thought about how having pets while bend while being a bender. That's a very good point, honestly, because <laughs> they could just like earth bend a rock up and down into the ground and a cat would be entertained by that. So exactly. Yeah. Or like you could air bend like their toy from one side to the other and mess with them a bit. Like, I, yeah, I feel like, I feel like benders would be some of the best animal owners. Yeah, that's true. And we know normal cats exist in the Avatar universe because we see them in Tales of Bossing Say. They're just like yep. normal looking cats around. That is true. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, I'm sure those cats are living the life of luxury. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, anyway, so yeah, Katara's tasked to bring back the plan because it needs the seal of the Earth King in order to work. Um, this like this is a huge oversight. Uh, the fact that you need this to be signed off for this to actually go through just makes no sense. Like, why do you even have a council if you're not going to listen to what they say? Yeah, I agree. And this is probably why Long Feng is so successful with the Dai Li because he didn't report anything back to the Earth King. He knew the Earth yeah. King was incompetent. He didn't even try to utilize him at all. Pretty much. Exactly. I I think Katara should have been like, oh yeah, sounds good. Like forged the signature and been like, here you go. And they would just be like, wait, what? How'd you get the signature so fast? And it's like, I don't know. 
Uh, uh, yeah, maybe she should have done that. But I feel like they have other forms to compare the signature to. I don't know if she would have been able to forge it so easily. I don't know. I, I got pretty good at forging my mom's signature when I was in school. I did too. I used to trace it on the so on our little like planner. I used to because they used to have make us. Um, our parents used to have to sign our little books, and then I would just trace my mom's signature. So yeah, I, I would have to sign to do like um, to have like my reading logs and like report cards and all that. And because my mom, uh, her name's Jennifer, so like both of our names had a cursive J, and so I just made my signature very similar to hers, uh, so that like whenever I had to sign for her, it would just be like very natural for me. Nice. Nice. Yeah. When I was a kid, I would get in trouble a lot. And then my school had these things called disciplinary reports. And then you'd have to get your parents to sign them and bring them back. And I was like, okay, I don't want my mom to know I got in trouble. So that I'll just forge the signature on them. <laughs> Genius. Genius. Yeah. See, if Katara got in trouble more, if she wasn't so much of a goody two shoes and like was probably getting people in trouble more than she got in trouble herself, she would know just forge a signature. It's way easier than asking for the signature. Yeah, no, I think your spitting facts are in. Maybe she should have just gotten in trouble way more like us little hooligans. I know. Like, uh, yeah, man, such problem children. Uh, <laughs> we, we grew out of it, I hope. I hope. I hope. Um, Anyway, so Aang, uh, he gets to the Eastern Air Temple. Uh, he gets, he like is there and, you know, talk about no cell. We've been talking about the whole episode. This might be the best one. Uh, this guru does not flinch when like the avatar himself shows up. He continues his meditation uh, and he does not stop until like Aang's fully up there. Uh, he's not even excited to see him. This is the ultimate no cell. So does this guru have like supernatural powers or something? Because he's able to like sense Aang coming. He was able to direct Appa back to Aang and connect them together. So what's up with this guru? Like what are his powers exactly? That's my question. You know, they're very undefined. Uh, They're pretty much whatever the writers need in the moment. Uh, (laughs) There we go. I I agree completely. Yeah, that his official powers are whatever he needs to do uh, in order to make the story go forward, because that is exactly what he's there for. Um, but yeah, so we, we meet this guru, Patik. He says he's like a friend of Monkeyatso in the past. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like he earlier, like a few weeks ago, he like told Appa to go to Bossing Say, like touching him and being able to communicate with him. This week, he's like able to sense the avatars coming. It's very unclear what his powers are. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm just confused by the guru's existence, honestly. Yeah, but obviously he can't tell the future. He would know that, like, the approach that he was taking was not going to go very well. Yeah, so he can't predict the future, but he can at least help open up the chakras. That's his one yeah. power here, yeah. and and he can like know where things are in the current moment because he knows like that Ang was in Bossing Say when he told Appa. Yeah, that's true. But, but actually, maybe, maybe, okay, new theory. Maybe he wasn't like telling Appa where he was, but he was connecting Appa with Aang and like opening that connection because like Appa might have that power to know where Aang is because they're like so spiritually connected that maybe the guru was just unlocking that for Appa and he didn't actually know where he was. You know what? I'll roll with that because I have no better explanation myself. So right. there you go. That makes sense. Great. Right. All right. We're creating Canon as we go. Uh, perfect. I'm glad. 
I'm glad that the uh, experts on Avatar just get to make stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Fact. And then this is where the guru gives Ang some banana onion juice. And Dan, one of our fans, asks, would we drink this? And the answer is, I probably would not drink banana onion juice. I don't know. I thought I was telling Jacob in the pre-show, I thought about bringing it on and trying it for the podcast. But alas, I did not concoct any banana and onion juice. But how about you, Jacob? Would you be drinking on this? You know, I would try anything once. Uh, I, I would try it. I can't imagine that it's that good. But, like, if onion... Yeah, because, like, onion's not even that good of a consistency. Because, like, really, you'd want the banana flavor to shine through. Yes, um, that's what I was thinking, too. You'd want more bananas than onions, ideally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I've eaten something that was, like, uh, like a banana. Like, it, it was, like, definitely banana flavored, but it was, like, savory. It was, like, do you know what a hush puppy is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was like it was like a banana hush puppy, and I'm I'm fairly sure it had onion in it. Um, but it was like it was like a savory thing. Definitely had like some banana pieces in it, and it was good. So if it tasted like that, I wouldn't mind. But that was also deep fried, so uh, I'm sure it was like better than this. Better than this juice. <laughs> no facts. It's probably a lot better. I'd try a banana onion hush puppy, but I don't know if I'd try just like straight banana onion juice. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be eating something, eating it in a hush puppy form is definitely the best. Like anything that's like fried, deep fried in like some batters, like obviously going to taste better than like the juice. Uh, but Aang here has no manners. Uh, as soon as he drinks this, he absolutely spits it out all over the place, which is like, it's just disrespectful. I mean, he couldn't even contain himself how bad it was. He just had to spit it absolutely everywhere. It's disgusting, honestly. Yeah, and it it makes such a mess. Uh, It gets everywhere. But, hey, uh, you know what? I'd probably do the same thing if I ate something that nasty. You know, it's funny. Later on in the episode, Aang's actually going to ask. He's going to be like, hey, do you got any more banana onion juice? So maybe the taste grows on you. Yeah, or maybe you just get like so hungry that you would do anything. Cause like, so when, like, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll get there, when, I suppose. Well, okay, no, I, I, I want to say my thought now. Oh, so no, say, 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 yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I, we're supposed to see that moment when he says, like, oh, can I have some banana onion juice? It's like, oh, he's growing or like he's learning more. At least that's how I read like what I was supposed to think. But the whole time I thought, like, no, like he's not growing. He's not learning more. He's literally starving. Like if you make that the only option, then of course he's going to ask for it because he's not going to die instead of getting it. So I don't know. I was not a huge fan of uh, of that being like the moment where like, oh, he's growing or whatever. Yeah. And you know, it's weird. It's like they, the guru could be feeding him other stuff. Because if I recall correct, the guru brings some berries and stuff for Appa. So I don't know why he couldn't bring some berries or something different instead of just banana onion juice. Maybe it's just his favorite dish. Maybe the guru just loves bananas and onions together. Maybe. Or, or he maybe it, it hugs his and he just, he gulps it. That down. is that is true. He really does enjoy his. Maybe uh, actually it, it helps release uh, thing other things from his body other than the chakras is by eating only banana and onion juice. Maybe things just start flowing a bit differently. Oh, good point. Good point. Helps <laughs> the digestive tract. There you go. All right. Well, so we'll, I guess we can move on here because we're we're we've been going on for a while. I didn't even realize. So we cut to Toph trapped by Jin Fu and Yu, and then Toph's proclaiming, "She's like, oh, I need to use the bathroom." And then Jin is it? Jin, no, it's Master Yu who's actually about to open it, and Jin Fu's like, "What the heck are you doing? <laughs> Why would you open?" So it? dumb. 
(laughs) Because because she's like, oh, I need to use the bathroom. And like, maybe she does, but like, you can't beat her if you're like actually taking her in a fight. So like, what was their plan? But yeah, the fact that he was falling for it, terrible. He doesn't even deserve the reward anymore. Yeah. And then Jin Fu is like, you might think you're the greatest earthbender, but even you can't get can't bend metal, which is obviously foreshadowing to the later on in the episode. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Like he's taunting her. He's like, even you can't do this. And like, maybe that's when it clicked. She's like, oh, maybe I actually can. Like this might have been a time where like Jin Fu's just like absolutely shooting himself in the foot. Uh, or, or something like that. No, you're right, because Jin Fu kind of plants the seed where he's like, okay, there's a, there's no way you can do this. And then she's like, you know what? Out of, <laughs> Toph basically learns the metal bend to spite Jin Fu here. So there you go. Yep, learns it out of spite. I really do appreciate that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, actually, so this is the perfect time for the question. Uh, Dan asks us, have we ever invented anything out of spite? Um, I I haven't. I'm not that talented, but I would love to one day. Hmm, have I invented anything out of spite? Well, I don't want us both not to have answers to this, but the, my answer is probably no. I have not <laughs> created anything out of spite. Like Jacob, I too am not that talented a man to just create something out of spite. Sorry, Dan. I, I will say out of spite, I have faked something. Uh, oh, like okay. I, I did. I was trying to prove that I was right. Uh, and you know how you can like inspect element? Um, and like change yeah. a website, yeah, but yeah. it's like only on your local machine or whatever. Yes. Anyway, so in, in high school, I did get into an argument with someone about like some random obscure fact and I was totally wrong, but I printed out the Wikipedia page and I inspect element to change it to say <laughs> what I wanted. So I'm not sure I'd say that's inventing. I would say more that's being uh, creatively liberal with the truth. Uh, but I did do that out of spite, if that counts. Well, I've done a lot of things out of spite. I just haven't created anything. So I'll list something I've done out of spite. So I remember my family, we were like, why does the milk keep getting finished so fast? And my mom was like, it's because of you, Zach. You drink all the milk. And I was like, oh, yeah. So then I didn't drink milk for a year in the morning. I just (laughs) cut milk out of my diet just to prove I wasn't the one finishing the milk. So I did that out of spite. That's that is perfect. Uh, (laughs) I you completely changed your diet just to prove that you could do it. You know yeah. what? I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I do a lot of things out of spite. Again, I've never gotten to invention. And Dan, if you have invented anything out of spite, please do let us know. Cause I would love to know. Um, I'm sure that Dan's done a run out of spite. You know how he does those like, yes, runs yes. Spells those runs out? where he like spells things out. Yeah. 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 I'm absolutely sure that he's done one of those out of spite. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm actually motivated a lot by spite. Thank goodness there's not a spite chakra because I would not be able to overcome it. <laughs> oh, this chakra is locked with spite. It's like Jacob's like, oh, shoot, no, oh no God. avatar state for you. Darn, I guess I'm not even getting to like, uh, two of seven. I'm, I'm staying, staying put. Um, anyway, so yeah. Then, then, like, as these people are going on, they're also, like, arguing, um, like, or I think it's actually before they talk about going to the bathroom, uh, but they're, like, arguing about which road even gets back to the, the state. Like, they don't even know where they're going. Like, these people are so inept. I was going to say it would be great to have, like, a buddy cop, uh, like, comedy show where we, like, watch what they're doing, but this would be terrible. They They are so not, like, meant for each other. They have such little charisma together that it'd be painful to watch. 
Uh, yeah, I do like Jin Fu and Yu, though. These, like, bumbling idiots, basically. They do crack me up whenever they're on screen together. Even when they had that little fight when they were trying to capture Zuko and Iroh, I thought that was kind of amusing. Yeah, so I, that, don't mind, that was, I don't mind them together. That was funny when they just, like, took on everyone in the bar trying to take take everyone down, and, like, obviously that wasn't going to work out. Um, anyway, yeah. So so they, like, start fighting, um, and, yeah, obviously, like... Uh, Jin Fu's gonna regret those words in a bit, but he does. We do leave the scene with um, him saying to Toph, "Like you cannot bend metal." Um, yeah. We get back to Bossing Say. We're with Azula May and Tai Lee. They're taking off all of their makeup from the day, uh, and they have a great idea. Or Azula has a great idea to take over the Earth Kingdom. But before we get that, we get May uh, absolutely getting roasted here. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I, I'm, I'm still upset about this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Zach, I have, what, I have the line your... right here. So then Ty Lee, while they're taking off their makeup, wait, no, what does Azula say first in to get well, this response? Azula Azula's like, Oh, um, she's like, I have a great idea or something like this. Um, and, and, and says that, Oh, oh you're saying, what does she say to, to get Prompt. this? prompt the response from Ty Lee. She, she says something about like, oh, we have such a great opportunity. Yeah, and then Ty Lee's like, well, May finally gets to wear makeup that's not totally depressing. That's, then, that's just like, damn, that came out of left field. Does May usually, I mean, May usually looks pretty normal. She doesn't, her makeup doesn't look terribly depressing to me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, like, she's not usually wearing, like, a ton of makeup, but, like, Ty Lee is just coming out here and roasting her for no reason. Um, like, May looks totally fine, uh, except for this moment, because uh, as she, like, turns to say, like, ha-ha, she's, like, only half taken off her makeup, and so what's left is, like, the most horrific clown makeup thing I've ever seen. Like, the red from her eyes is, like, dripping down, and it all looks, like, totally out of whack. Yeah, it's like blotches of mascara just dripping down her face. Yeah, she didn't look great in that moment, I'll be honest. Nope. No, but this was totally uncalled for for Ty Lee. Uh, honestly, she should be censored. She should be reprimanded. <laughs> just just let May live her life. You know, May doesn't want to wear the makeup like Ty Lee does, so I don't know. Anyway, Azula goes through this plan uh, saying, like, we're going to conquer the Earth Kingdom. Um the the Fire Nation's not been able to take Bossing Safe from the outside, but we're on the inside and we're going to take it down ourselves. And I loved this like this uh, statement from Azula here. Like, yeah, I, I thought this was this was very very well put. Yeah, this is powerful stuff. Here we get like Mastermind Azula basically plotting to organize a coup and overthrow the Earth King. She's got all yeah. her ducks in a row. And she's ready to execute this plan. Exactly. She's uh she's getting ready to go and I I fully believe that she's like uh she's going to do it honestly like with how excited she is like even before I've seen this like just the fact that she has this plan um uh, means it's obviously going to work. Um and she understands like how to get in power. She's like, "Okay, we're going to take over the Earth King. The key is the Dai Li. So we're going to take over the Dai Li and then we'll take over the city." And there you go. Yeah, and she's absolutely right. If you could, because look how, how long Fang was able to maintain control for such a long time with the Dai Li, and yeah, yeah she's going to execute a similar game plan here and take over the city. Yeah, um, we go back to the Eastern Air Temple now. Uh, the Guru is talking about chakras and the Avatar state. 
he first asked Aang, uh, like sort of an intro question, like, hey, let me know, what do you know already about chakras? And Aang knows absolutely nothing. Um, I think the Guru does a really good job of explaining like what a chakra is. But Zach, I just got to ask, before this episode, what did you know about chakras? Nothing. I knew it was like a source of power in the TV show Naruto. That's what I knew. Because <laughs> in Naruto, I feel like they always talk about chakras and stuff. So that's all I knew about it. Did not know too much, I'll be honest. So I appreciated the guru's explanation here, dumbing it down. So he says, he goes, chakras are like pools of spiraling energy in our bodies. Each chakra has like a specific purpose, but they can be blocked by like a specific kind of emotional muck. So then the guru's job is that he's going to help Aang untangle all these chakras and unlock all of them to, to master the avatar state. Yeah, and once you remove the moss from one, it like starts getting flowing and everything goes through. Yes. Um, it, it is funny in my notes. I also had the only time I hear about chakras are like from me- people who are like way into meditation or animated uh, children's TV shows. Because uh, <laughs> I feel like it comes up like all the time. It's like in Naruto, like it's always like, oh, you have to unleash the chakra to be able to do this or this. It's like it always comes up. Yeah, it's always either chakras or chi, I feel like, are the two things that yep. I always hear about yep. in these children's Agreed. TV shows. Agreed. Uh, and the guru says that there are seven uh, that they need to unlock and that each one has a purpose and it is blocked by a specific thing. Um, I- I'd like to go over them like quickly here. Uh, so sure. there's one that deals with survival, blocked by fear. There's one that deals with pleasure, blocked by guilt. One that willpower blocked by shame, love blocked by grief, truth blocked by lies, insight blocked by illusion, and pure cosmic energy really stepping up there uh, blocked by earthly attachments. Yeah, for me with the chakras, it's like one of these things is not like the others. And for me, that's the pure cosmic energy blocked by earthly attachments. It's so different than the rest of them. Well, and we start the first ones like the first one is survival and fear, like something that's like so innate. It feels like very real. It feels present. And by the seventh one, it's like, oh, it's literally all energy. And the way to get rid of it is to not care about anything. Like it really (laughs) steps up as they're going through. Uh, Yeah, they really start an easy mode on the first chakra, I guess. Yeah, and then the but then this cosmic energy thing, and because the, then they talk about how it's an intense experience and you cannot stop until all seven are open. And now this is going to become a big issue at the end of the episode because Aang, Aang is going to leave one chakra closed, and this is where the guru loses me a little bit. It's like this chakra is going to randomly reopen when Aang's lightning scar hits a rock during his battle with uh, mm-hmm. Ozai. That's yeah, when this chakra yeah. is going to randomly reopen. So I kind of feel like the writers wrote themselves a little into a corner here with this guru stuff. What do you think? Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And I feel like they really just go through the first six so quickly. Like, like, yeah, I guess like they have seven and I, I did look it up and like there are seven in like most things that you read about, but I kind of think that they messed up by having so many different ones because they spend so little time on a lot of them that it just feels like it was so quick. Like if they would have said there are three, I feel like it could have been a lot better. He could have struggled with each one, but like, so like we're getting to this in a minute, but like they're going to start with the earth chakra, which is the one with survival and blocked by fear. And like, this is solved within like 15 seconds. Uh, Like 
even though like it's super scary and we see all the things that Aang is afraid of, he's able to get through them like extremely quickly. And I feel like the only reason why they put this in here is so that he wouldn't be able to give up on the last one. And I feel like they really messed up by having so many small things that he was like getting right. It just like really sped by. Yeah, I agree. But I do like how whenever they have a new chakra, they have like a different colored vision that Aang has in his head. So for this first one, it's like Aang's fears are a dark red vision of like Katara disappearing into the ground from the Avatar State episode, the blue spirit, and then the Fire Lord towering over him, all with like this red colored filter. So the animation in these scenes is beautiful. It was great. But then the actual scenes themselves, eh, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that they like I believe that this is like the the colors that are normally associated with these. So there are like seven main chakras if you like look at meditation and like all of these like uh beginner guides that I read and like mm-hmm. this one is red. So it is like cool that they are drawing from things that are real. I know like uh Rudy in the Discord asked like does anyone actually know about these outside of Atla and like I agree like I I did not uh I did a little bit of research before. Um but yeah, like it definitely is true that um, that like this is not something I would have known or I would have appreciated, but like a quick Google search made me appreciate a bit more because like they do use the red to symbolize fear, which is the same as like the color that it's normally attributed to. So that that is cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Zach, do we need to let you unlock uh, your fear chakra on the podcast and uh, get, <laughs> and, and get over your fear of wishbone? Is now the time to put that to rest? Well, wishbone and the monkeys from Wizard of Oz, because then I was watching. Oh, Space that's too Jam. scary. I was watching Space Jam. They actually had the monkeys from Wizard of Oz in the audience during during LeBron's basketball game. So it's kind of horrifying seeing those monkeys again. Did did you uh did you get like nervous and like start sweating? You're like, oh my god, like I'm not <laughs> ready for it. Like I was not expecting. Yeah, I was not. Uh, yeah, I started sweating. I took off my hat. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're here. These monkeys are back here and just ruining my life once again. So I know, right? Like who would expect the monkeys to show up in Space Jam in all <laughs> movies? But here they are. Yeah. So maybe you're not ready to let it go. That's fine. No, I'm um, not. I'm not. This chakra is going to stay locked. In fact, I don't think I'm going to be go entering the avatar state anytime soon. I think probably all my chakras are locked. Knowing well, me, so. Well, well that's what I was going to say. Like, if you know that at the end of like the the journey, you have to unlock or you have to get rid of all earthly attachments. It's not really even worth it to unlock the first one. Like, you don't get any benefit from getting one out of seven done. It's like seven out of seven or nothing, as they say earlier. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So it's not even worth it. So you know what? Stay, stay afraid of the uh, of the monkeys. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay. I'll Wishbone, Wishbone's a different story, I think. But um, for the record, I'm not scared of Wishbone anymore. Just want to make that. Oh, okay. I grew, okay. I grew out of that. Yeah. I'm Did not, you feel like you really? You feel like you needed to clarify that so that no one on the podcast was like <laughs> well, writing I in. I don't know. People are like, because if you Google Wishbone, you're like, he's the least terrifying dog ever. And I'm like, I know. I, I, I was so young. I, I don't know what was wrong with me. I was just scared of all dogs. But oh well. All right. I'm glad that we can set the record straight. Now, when like future <laughs> employers go and listen to the episode, they're like, oh, thank goodness he's not afraid of Wishbone. <laughs> um, th- what did you think about Space Jam? Oh, you want to get my thoughts on Space Jam? I don't know. I thought it was pretty ass. It was not that good. What did you yeah. like it? Well, okay. I it was too self-referential for me, but continue. Yeah. I, I love the first Space Jam movie. Like I have that movie on VHS in my house right now. I, I don't have a VHS player, but like 
I I have that movie from when I used to watch it all the time. Uh, so the first Space Jam is like really special for me. I really did like it. This one was okay. Uh, like I didn't think it deserves all the hate it's getting online. Like a lot of people are trashing on it because it does have some cringy moments. But like I thought it was okay. I think my issue with it, they do a good job with the LeBron stuff. Like they ref, they have so many references of stuff LeBron's done on other teams and stuff like that. But yeah. the issue is the Looney Tunes humor didn't feel like Looney Tunes. Whereas in the first movie, it like the Looney Tunes humor just felt like classic, like Looney Tunes. Whereas like grand grandma drinking a martini or whatever, I was like, what the hell? This doesn't feel like Looney Tunes to me. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. It just felt like boomer humor rather than the Looney Tunes classic. Ooh. It felt like a, it felt like a writer trying to think of like, okay, what does a kid find funny nowadays and stuff? Okay. Yeah, All right, so, so they, they should have hired some like some Gen Z writers to to like deliver, I guess, or just make it feel like OG Looney Tunes because I feel like classic yeah. Looney Tunes is enjoyable in any era. So that's that's fair. Um, yeah. That is. But there we go. That, that's that's our five minute Space Jam tangent. <laughs> well, perfect. Um, yeah, I, I ultimately like. I'm excited to see who does Space Jam three. Uh, like, I'm excited for the next player to to do it, but. Uh, until then, I guess I'll, I'll keep uh, watching the original Space Jam on VHS. Nice, nice. Yeah, I remember my brother. The original Space Jam was his favorite movie, and then my mom was pissed at us. She made us. She cut off the cable because she said we watched too much TV. So all we could watch for like two months was Space Jam. So I got so my brother nice. loved it and can quote the whole movie, but I got so tired of it. And you know what? You know what else I didn't like in the new Space Jam? I wish they had Mister Swackhammer. I thought that green guy who was supposed to be based on Jerry <laughs> Krause, the general manager, he was such a good antagonist. I liked him way more than Don Cheadle. So yeah, that's another one of my gripes with Space Jam. I didn't like Don Cheadle as antagonist. I thought he was he was not that good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, although I do like Don Cheadle, like as yeah, he's, he's, as he's an a actor fine actor. Yeah, but him as antagonist here, not so much. Yeah, that's fair. Um, anyway, uh, so to go back to to the Avatar of it all, uh, the Guru is like talking about the the fear. I did think the sequence was cool, like all the things that Aang was afraid of, like. We see the blue spirit. We see like Katara going in the ground. We see like him uh, at the North Pole, like absolutely destroying people. And then we see like uh, Sozin's comet and ultimately Fire Lord Ozai. Um, yeah, I, I thought that all like this whole sequence was very cool. I feel like it did a good job of saying like, you know, this is what he's afraid of. Like these are all the different fears he has, and it it really did sum up I think where he was to this point. Like the character's journey was pretty well represented here i agree and i think they do a good job not just with the fear chakra but with all these chakras they do an excellent job with um setting it up and him unlocking each one yeah um anyway so then they open this one uh he's super excited then they get to the water chakra uh it's pleasure blocked by guilt um and then ang here is guilty of running away uh and of hurting people uh, I think Aang deserves to hold on to this one. Uh, I'm not sure he should let it go. He should feel guilty for running away. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's got to let his guilt go after a certain point. I think more so, maybe he should hold on to that guilt, but he should not feel guilty about hurting those Earthbenders at all, because that scene oh, is from yeah. when he's battling General Fong's Earthbenders, and General Fong was like obviously evil, so he shouldn't feel bad. I feel like he definitely should not feel guilty about that. I don't know why he did, but feeling guilty about leaving Mon Giazzo, maybe you're right. Maybe he should retain that guilt. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, 
hurting the people in the Earth Kingdom was like whatever. They were literally asking for it. Yeah, like, that's same same thing with the people like in the Fire Nation at the Northern uh, Water Tribe. Like I feel like you know you don't have to feel too bad about those people leaving like his entire community behind for them to be slaughtered. Like I don't know. Like I I feel like that's acceptable to feel bad about. It maybe uh maybe not, but he really lets that go pretty quickly. Uh and I'm not really sure that that he should uh that he should have done it so quickly. I think he should have meditated a bit more and really felt the guilt. Yeah, yeah, true. He does breeze through these chakras. I think the next one's yeah. even easier for him, honestly, to open. Yeah, I mean, well, as uh, yeah, because there are seven. So like you really gotta knock these out. I mean, it's a twenty minute episode. You got <laughs> you only have so much time to do each true. chakra. You gotta I, you gotta knock a few out. I guess Aang just has such mental fortitude. He's able to compartmentalize everything and separate his emotions and just bang these out. He's just next level, I guess. Uh, It would take me like, it would take me like months of therapy to get through like (laughs) the first one. Uh, I agree. Even even then I'd be lucky. It would take me such a long time to unlock my chakras. I feel like Guru Pantik would have the worst time with dealing with me. (laughs) He'd give up, I think. I think my chakras would just never, they just stay locked, sadly. He'd be like, sorry, Zach, you're actually a lost cause. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> ahead. I'm going to go ahead and just eat some uh, more banana and onion juice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, so we go back to the water tribe. We're seeing them. Uh, they're all chatting about how they're def- trying to stop the Fire Nation. Hakoda's talking about how they use these mines to stop the Fire Nation ships from getting through this pass. Uh, and these mines are like uh, tangle mines, I believe is what they're called. Yeah. Um, and part of what makes them so good is that they're terrible smelling. Uh, and they're called the stink and stink, which I love uh, the name of. And it also reminds me to go uh, to like look back at the mechanist from earlier who says never underestimate the power of stink. Stink is coming back. True. Stink is coming back in full effect. You're absolutely right. I didn't even... That's a good callback to the mechanist way back when. Look, stink reigns supreme. I know, like, when we did that podcast, we didn't rank stink as the highest of, like, the powers or whatever. (laughs) I think we had flame above that or something, or explosives or something, but I don't know. Maybe we were sleeping on stink, Zach. True. I mean, Hakoda definitely is not sleeping on stink. So what he uses to get the smell, he fills it with skunk fish, and then the smell causes the ship to get evac, the Fire Nation ship to get evacuated. And then he has seaweed in the tangle mine to tangle up the propellers. So there we go. These mines are very in- ingenious. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty smart. Um, yeah. it, it's definitely like a good idea. Um, yeah, stink and stink, stink and sink all the way. Well, that's actually kind of hard to say. Uh, I'm not stink sure. Stink and stink. Yeah, there you stink go. Stink and stink. Yeah. Um, anyway, they're, they're all like, uh, standing around talking about this. And just as they're discussing these different minds, we have some rando warrior walk up and say that they've spotted some Fire Nation ships. Um, Hakoda is getting everyone ready and he's saying, the rest of you men prepare for battle. Uh, and Sokka's like, what should I do? And Hakoda <laughs> says, the rest of you men get ready for battle. <laughs> Uh, which Sokka finds really sweet, but if I'm Hakoda, I'm like, kid, do you not listen? Like, what, what did you want to do? Yeah, that's true. It's kind of redundant on Sokka's part. He should have just known he's part of the men. And I feel like this is such a TV trope, too. This happens so often where it's like, all of you men, and then it's like, what does the child protagonist do? And it's like, you heard him. 
all of you men get ready exactly. for battle. But hey, yeah. there we go. But like, what what was Sokka's plan? Sokka was like going to go play dolls or something in the tent. <laughs> like, obviously, he was going to get ready for battle. Like, I know this is the TV moment. They're trying to make him feel included, but blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Get over yourself. Just go help. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I agree with you, which is funny. So I'm just now I'm just imagining soccer like playing with dolls while the battle rages on. <laughs> exactly. He's like, well, my dad told me that I'm not a man, so I have to sit here and play toys. Like, no, <laughs> obviously you're going to get ready no matter what he said. So just go do it. Nah, you're spitting facts. 100%. Anyway, uh, we go back to Zuko and Iroh now. Um, they're excited. They're, they're starting their tea shop. They're at the Jasmine dragon, uh, which is the name of their tea shop. And yeah, they're, they're starting the, the tea city, I guess, empire. I don't really, uh, I don't really have much to say, honestly, about the, uh, this scene here. Yeah. I mean, we just get more of super positive Zuko because he's like, congratulations, uncle, you deserve it. And then uh, his uncle Iroh is just like, I'm grateful you decided to share this special day with me, which is like, oh, shucks. yeah. It's just like yeah. a nice, like little heartfelt moment there, but it's yeah, still like that, that is nice. Oh, it's 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 just off putting to see like super positive Zuko. It's weird. It's like Zuko's not normally like this. It's like abnormal. <laughs> so exactly, yeah, yeah. Like just kind of. I, I have some friends that like you know like part of their like persona or whatever is that they're like always like mad or upset about things. Like I'm sure that they're actually like happier than they let on. But like if those people like showed up and they were just like happy all the time, I would just kind of like. Like, I would be happy that they're happy, but I'd also just be confused. Like, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I, I think like when you when you're so different, when you're playing like so against Persona, it's like I'm kind of worried, like what's gotten into them? Like, yeah. But yeah, that's ultimately, I'm happy to see Zuko happy. Yeah, I'm happy to see Zuko happy, but it is as a viewer, it's just kind of odd to see. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you have you ever played those like tap games on your phone where like you start like a diner or something and you start like serving people and you get to like upgrade your store and get like a fancier cash register? No, I've never no. played any of these games. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, a lot of them exist. Uh, there's like uh, I think it's called like Tap Tap Diner or something like that. Anyway, what, did you create like the Jasmine Dragon in one of these games? Well, like, where that's what I was that? about to say. Is like let's create the Jasmine Dragon. Uh, let's like, let's do it and let's have this be, you know, Uncle Iroh's tea shop. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> play it. I'm down. Well, let's go. Yeah, if you know any, I, I got a couple of homies who know how to make apps. So I'll ask them if what they think about this, if this is a good app idea that can make us millions of dollars. So well, I can show it I got, to them. You know how like those games, like any of those games always try to get you to buy things. It's like, oh, four ninety nine, and you can upgrade your store immediately. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I would do that. I would like slam that to get uh, like Iro's upgraded tea shop. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I'd pay the microtransaction. I have a star- staunch rule where I never spend money on video games, no matter what, because a lot of video games now are chock full of microtransactions. Like, yeah, yeah. But for that, maybe I would. Yeah, you know, I, I probably wouldn't uh, if it was like any other version of the game because like all it is is just a different skin over the exact same game. But if you give it some avatar content, I'd be down. Um, yeah, I agree. You see, they release a Nickelodeon fighting game, but it doesn't have Ang or any avatar characters. Surprisingly, wait they they released another game because I know there's one on the phone that I play. No, yeah, it's like on Switch and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, people were a lot of people were talking about it. I forget what it's called. I should have had that in my notes, to be honest. But 
They released a oh. new Nickelodeon fighting game. Oh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Dang. And it doesn't have like uh it doesn't have Aang in there? Nope, no Aang, no Korra, no nothing. It's got Invader Zim and it doesn't have Aang. Yeah, I it's mean, weird. Would Aang be I too love Invader Zim, but Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he would be very overpowered, but wait, what on earth? Powdered Toastman is in this game. Yeah, I had to look up who Powdered Toastman was from Ren and Stimpy. This is stupid. I, you know what? I bet it's a <laughs> DLC. I bet it's like a DLC where you have to pay like an extra fifteen dollars to get like uh, to get Aang unlocked. Probably, probably Aang will almost certainly be DLC. Considering he's part of the Nickelodeon IP, he's a Nickelodeon IP. So I feel like why not put him in the video and, game? And they're gonna have like another Avatar thing come out uh, as well. So like, it seems like you'd want to have Aang be like, I don't know, pretty pretty out there pretty prominent oh, yeah. look there's even an article that says who's your dream addition to the nickelodeon all-star brawl roster and one of the first things is uh okay well jimmy neutron i agree and then ang is next up nice there you go jimmy neutron and ang let's make a petition to get them both in the game yeah man jimmy neutron is uh is a pretty good show i yeah. agree Anyway. Uh, I mess with Jimmy Neutron. I love Hugh. That's his dad, right? Hugh. Oh, Hugh, the dad. Yeah, yeah. Dad. Hugh and Carl. Carl. Croissant. Oh my god. <laughs> Carl is. Yeah. I, I think I was more of a Sheen Sheen person than a Carl. Person. Really? I, I yeah. love. Carl. I think I was more of a Carl guy. I like Sheen. The episode where he gets smart and then his head's all big. Oh, and he becomes like yeah, yeah, the yeah, huge head. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Anyways. power quite literally goes to his head. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Did Did you like llamas as a kid? Llamas, like the yeah, because Carl llamas. Carl always talked about llamas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like llamas, llamas and alpacas. Okay. I mess with them. All right, all right. Good to know. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah. Get get Ang in the game for sure, and get Zuko in as well. Like, may, honestly, just make it an Avatar fighting game. That's true. I feel like that if they made that when Avatar was on, they would be rolling in money. Like if they yeah. if they made an Avatar fighting game, I feel like it would I, I agree. And and like you would have the characters from Korra involved. Like you could have like past Avatars. Like I, I feel like yeah, it'd be quite fun. Yeah, the, the, I've played anime. Felt like Naruto has like Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm. I think that yep. if they made like an Avatar version of that, it would sell really well. But all yeah, right, well. Sadly. Time to tell your app developer friends we got two game ideas for them. <laughs> there we go. I will. One, one's a much better idea than the other. I think the Avatar fighting game would do much better than the than the tap tap diner game that I, <laughs> I want to play. Uh, true, I agree. But oh well, uh, we go back to the guru and we quickly unlock another chakra. This one is um, the, the fire chakra. Fire, the fire chakra. It's about willpower and blocked by shame. We see that Aang is ashamed of the fact that he uh, can't fire Bind, and the last time he did, he accidentally burnt Katara. He says he's never going to fire a Bind ever again, and the guru is like, "What? No, you got to." Uh, and then I guess that's all he had to say in order for him to do it. <laughs> Aang yeah. unlocks the chakra and then burps. Yeah, this chakra opened up so easily. Because then the guru, what does the guru say? He's like, yeah, you're, you're the avatar, and by proxy, you are also a firebender. So you're going to have to get over this hangup. And then Aang gets over it. 
And, and that's like, like that. so absurd because this is something that like really traumatized Aang like so long ago. Like this is something that Aang will later in the series still struggle with. But all the guru has to say is like, well, actually, te- like he gives us like technical explanation and like it, he's semantically saying like, well, you're the avatar and therefore you are a firebender. So then you have to. And then boom, done. Um, yeah, I don't know how this yeah. unlocks so easily. I feel like this chakra in particular would have taken should have taken a lot more energy and time. I agree, uh for sure. But uh then he says that this one opened not like a creek, but like a burping bison, and then Aang really lets out an impressive burp. Um yeah, I remember <laughs> when like loud burping was very cool. Like when I was in like third grade, I would like always try to have the biggest burps, and I think I was like the bee's knees when I did. I agree. I mean, I used to have the loudest burp, so I used to pat myself on the back with that fact and just flex in front of my friends because none of them could burp as loud as me. So, man, those were the days when, like, the thing that really just impressed people, the the way that you could just be like, look how cool I am, is just a loud ass burp. Man. I agree. I mean, I wish I could go back to those days when I could impress people so easily. Now I have to, like, flex that I have a podcast to impress people. <laughs> It's just yeah. embarrassing. You have to like be fan of a TV show for like half of your <laughs> entire life and then finally get to talk about it. And that's the only way. I mean, come on. It's too much work. Exactly. Exactly. Absurd. Uh, speaking of too much work, Aang, or sorry, Azula is putting her plan into place. Azula here is setting May and Tai Lee up uh, to talk about the fact that they're not actually Kyoshi warriors. The Dai Li agents are hiding. They're listening in on the conversation. Uh, but the Dai Li agents don't even know that they're getting played. Like, they think they're slick. They think they know what's going on. But they're literally two steps behind. Like, literally, they don't even know what's going on. Yeah, Azula must have noticed right when she came into the city that there's Dai Li agents all over the place just hiding in plain sight. Yeah. And, yeah, she's able to deduce that, and she sets this plan into motion where she gets Tai Li and Mei to openly talk about how they are Fire Nation because she knows that information will be relayed back to Long Feng in his jail cell. So excellent yeah. work from Azula here. Yeah, great work of, of Azula, like, turning this on them. Could you imagine living in a city where people are just like creeping on every corner? Like the Dai Li's always listening. Like that's just got to be so weird. But Azula really uses this against them uh, and is able to like use this to their advantage because they're able to reveal their fire nation. um, And they're able to do so in a way that the Dai Li thinks it's actual information and not just like, uh, you know, it's not like being fed to them. They think they're getting it themselves. It's, It's honestly like Inception. Yeah, it's very genius stuff from Azula here. Really big brain master. This is like I said, this is like mastermind Azula putting her plan into place. And yep. one thing on a less serious note, uh, May tells Ty Lee, she's like, if I have to start, if I have to clean one more pile of bear poop, I'm going to lose <laughs> it. And it's like the Earth King already has them cleaning up bear poop. Like, damn, he put them to work right away. I see. Like, what the hell? <laughs> that made no sense to me. That literally was in my notes. I'm so glad that you went back to mention that because I totally agree. Like they have Katara delivering the mail. They have Kyoshi warriors, some of the most impressive warriors in all of the earth kingdom picking up crap. They have these impressive women on (laughs) duty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad it's man. Ty Lee and not the real Kyoshi warriors having to clean up Bosco's bear poop. 
Yeah, but that is totally absurd. Like they have to have some random attendant doing this. Like this has to be someone's job. Uh, I can't imagine that the Kyoshi Warriors would do this. And this is no way to treat a guest. Like if you're a guest in my house, I guarantee you, you don't have to pick up poop. That is one guarantee that I will make. Yeah, I'll make the same guarantee to any guest who ever end up coming to my house post pandemic. There's no poop to be picked up. I have no pets, so that makes it a lot easier. No poop will well, be picked up on the floor. I mean, it it might make it easier. It, it maybe, or, or it just becomes like even worse if they did have to pick up poop. But <laughs> oh, that's nasty. Yeah, that's fair. Sorry, Zach. It's all good. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, the fact that the fact that May is on poop duty is just terrible, but. She is the best out of the three to be on poop duty because Azula would be absurd. Like she'd be upset. She would just burn it. And Ty Lee would like, um, or maybe Ty Lee would be better. Actually. You think Ty Lee's cleaning up poop with a smile on her face? Is that what you're implying? Cause my thought is may won't be happy about it, but she'll do it. She'll be like, uh, my life is miserable. And then do like a competent job. But like, I guess Ty Lee might do it and say like, thank you. I don't know if she's saying that. I don't know if anybody's saying thank you to be it on poop duty, but who knows? Maybe Ty Lee's just that kind of a person. I mean, Ty Lee seems like the type of person just like be so elated. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to Chick-fil-A, but those people are brainwashed. And every time that you do anything, they're like, oh, my pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. Like, I've never been to Chick-fil-A. So that's very interesting. All right. Well, like anytime you say like, oh, can I have like uh, a like, iced tea they're like yeah sounds good or they're like yeah my pleasure and they like do it for you so they're just like zuko in this episode basically just like super positive for no reason exactly yep yep Uh and that's i think that's how ty lee would pick up the poop she'd be like oh my pleasure (laughs) well we spent a lot of time talking about poop more so than i way more than we needed to and (laughs) chick-fil-a i don't even like that store their, their food is overrated oh wow but my friend said it was the best chicken he had in america Hmm. well I, I think your friend is wrong, but there's also <laughs> no way to do a taste test right now. So I guess the only way to do it is that you have to come to America and you have to do the like chicken taste test that everyone was doing. Do Popeye's versus Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I love Popeye's. Popeye's opened here recently. It's delicious, but no Chick-fil-A here, sadly. There's only one in Toronto on the other side of Canada, but none. Of yeah, that's, that's a pretty far trip to, to go get chicken. Yeah, I agree. Um Anyway, so then uh, we go back. Uh, we're now getting the next chakra. This one is love blocked by grief. Uh, Aang is very happy about this one. I feel like Aang's like, yeah, this is this is one that Aang's like able to do quite quickly, I think. Yeah, Aang sees like this green filtered vision of all the airbenders of the past. And then a cloud in the vision forms into Katara. So it shows he has love for all the airbenders prior to him and Katara, of course, the woman he loves. So makes yep. sense. And and the guru says um, that the love inside your heart is reborn in the form of a new love. And that new love is Katara. Um, and so Aang is able to get rid of this pain and uh, he's able to get over it. And this is when he asks for some more onion banana juice. Yes. Yes. So he must've been really hungry after all these chakra openings. Yeah. And then the next chakra we have here is the sound chakra and the th- located in the throat. It deals with truth and is blocked by lies. Yeah. Th- this one is very odd uh, because so, and they go into the flashback, uh, and Katara says, like, why didn't you tell us you were the Avatar? And he says, I didn't want to be. 
Um, and all Aang has to do to like overcome this chakra is to accept that he's the avatar. But that's like, that is just objectively true. Yeah, like, no, you're this right. This seems like the easiest one. Like, I feel like he's already accepted he's the avatar. The only cool thing that we get in this one is we get um, that, like, you know how, like, in the intro, there's, like, the thing of him standing on a cliff. We get, like, that image in the episode. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't even have that in my notes, but that's true. That was super cool. But other than that, it was, like, great. He accepted he was the avatar. Like, I feel like he's done that, like, many times at this point. Every time he says, I'm the avatar. But (laughs) You're right. He does say he's the avatar a lot. So that's true. Right? Um, Exactly. Anyway, they get to the sixth chakra. Um, This one is the light chakra. It deals with insight blocked by illusion. Um, And he says here that the greatest illusion is the illusion of separation. He thinks that things are separate, but things are actually one and the same. And I think that this is like probably one that people deal with right now. Like, I feel like the world could have a little uh, light chakra get opened up. I feel like things would be a lot better. Yeah, I agree. If everyone just saw each other as exactly the same and we all, all could get along. Yeah, we all need our light chakras open because then they go into more detail. They're like, it's like the four nations in the show. They're all one people, yet they live as divided is what the guru says. Yeah. Yeah. And this, and like Aang says, like, oh, we're connected. Everything is connected. And this made me think back to the swamp episode, uh, where like they see that the swamp is just one big tree and everything's sort of connected and they're able to like see where they're trying to go. Um, yeah, I, I feel like this, this episode does a lot of things, uh, where it like references or like has allusions to old episodes, but just does it in a worse way. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I do like, again, the animation on all these chakra openings is beautiful, but it's just, I don't know, not the most exciting TV. I'm, every time we were on this storyline, I was like, ah, I kind of want to see Azula instituting her plan. You know what I mean? I was exactly. hoping we were back with Azula, honestly. Like, show me the live feeds of Azula. I don't need this, like, uh, heavily edited version here. It's like exactly yeah. like Big Brother. But to be fair, this scene is cool because the guru goes into more detail. He's like, even the separation of the four elements is illusion. Even metal is just a part of Earth that has been purified and refined. And as he's narrating that, we see Toph in her metal prison. And the animation is really cool here because you see like the vibrations in the form of waves of light. And then finally, Toph is able to metal bend. So look at that. Yeah, that was very cool uh, that she was able to metal bend. I like that it like linked up with the explanation here. Yes. Although the, the explanation does sort of heavily imply that all benders can bend every element because they're all part of the same thing. Um, and if that's true, that's like a wild thing uh, that was thrown out there. And that like, I feel like they don't really live with the ramifications of the thing they like suggest. I don't know if that's exactly what they're saying. Though. I don't think they're saying like everybody can bend anything. They're just saying like you can bend certain things relative to your element. I think that's. More yeah. Similar. Okay. That, that, that is much more reasonable. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, we we get a scene of Toph now. Toph's like trying to get the metal to work. Uh, and I think she's like able to see that she's gonna be able to do it. And I love that she like congratulates herself. She's like, Yeah, Toph, you rule. I, I really appreciated that part. <laughs> yeah, shout out Toph. So inspirational. Exactly. Um, yep, then next thing we get back to is we're in Bossing Say. Uh, Katara has decided that she's going to go get a little bit of tea. Uh, apparently it's a long walk back from the council of five. She needs a quick little refreshment. 
And as she walks up to the Jasmine Dragon, she hears Zuko yell out like, oh, hey, I need some tea. I need uh, two Jasmine, one green, one lychee. And Iroh is in the back of the house, just like going as quickly as he can. He's clearly overwhelmed and needs an extra helper. Uh, <laughs> but that's not the important thing. The important thing is that Katara recognizes Zuko and Iroh and she freaks out. Yeah, she freaks out and she immediately rushes to go tell the Earth King. So, yeah. But then, little, I mean, it sucks because Zuko and Iroh aren't doing anything wrong here. They're just chilling, living their lives. I mean, they're not rushing to go capture Aang or anything like that. They're just making tea. It sucks that Katara doesn't realize that they're actually, they've actually turned a new leaf, a new tea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Like, these people, like, yes, they did hunt you down for an entire season. So, like, I guess you can be kind of upset about it. But, um, like, yeah, they're, they're kind of just minding their own business at this point, actually. Yeah, I agree. So I don't know why Katara has a ghost snitch, but oh, well, she does. Yeah. Well, snitches indeed do get stitches as well. <laughs> um, True. Yeah, they, they, she definitely uh, is able. Yeah, she's about to get like completely bodied uh, and, in, and in big trouble in a bit. <laughs> um, before that, we get to the last chakra. Uh, the guru saying like, OK, great. Once you do this, you'll be able to go in and out of the avatar state. And then you'll have complete control over the entire avatar state. You'll have awareness of what you're doing. And Aang seems really excited. He seems like very into it. Um, yeah. He, he seems like he's determined to get this done. Yeah. He seems exuberant. The fact that he's able to, he's about to finally master the avatar state. And then this is the thought chakra on the crown of the head. Correct. Uh, yes, yes. Deals with cosmic energy and blocked by earthly attachment, which is so weird. Like cosmic energy, every other one makes sense except the cosmic energy is just, it's interesting to me. It's, I, I know it different. really, it really like ramps up. It goes from like, like things that are so low stakes to like full on cosmic energy. And this one like requires you to let go of all earthly attachments. Like that's a huge deal. Yeah. I don't know if I would be able to let go of all earthly attachments, honestly. That's yeah. easier said than done. But then I feel like Aang could just lie here and just like pretend like he's, you know what I mean? No you, don't think he, you don't think he no. can do it? What? With all this, like, so, okay. Avatar Universe treats like the spiritual parts like pretty serious. Uh, like, yeah, pretty right, serious. Right. They have like some actual depth uh, and some thought go into this, like, even to the point where like they have the ch- seven chakras and they're like the same colors and they represent the same things. Like they really are drawing from things that are real. Uh, I don't think that they would just let Aang lie. Uh, I feel like if he lies, he has to go back to chakra number five, which is uh, like, blocked by lies. <laughs> okay. Lie is the wrong word, but maybe he could have like released himself from all earthly attachments in that moment and then came back. Well, that's basically what he ends up doing anyways, because this stays locked and then he, had, he still has his earthly attachments anyways. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I just I don't think that you can like get around the rules and start lying. Like I feel like yeah, if you do, you, that's like taking two steps forward instead of one step. Uh, no, you're back. right. Two steps back yeah. instead of one step forward. Yeah. Uh, you're probably right. No, no getting past the guru here and lying to him. No, this guru, uh, he's on pure onion and banana juice. He could see right through that lie, Zach. Nah, facts. That onion and banana juice just opens up his third eye. He can't miss anything. Exactly. Um, but yeah, he's trying to encourage Aang to let her go. 
he's uh, he's like saying you need to like let go of this attachment. And Aang is like, why would I let her? Like, why would I choose cosmic energy over Katara? <laughs> Which is a good point. I agree. It is a very very good point. Yeah, Aang is incensed. He refused to let her go, and he's like, three chakras ago, it was a good thing to have some attachment. Yeah. Which is true. It was a good thing three chakras ago. That's true, but you know, uh, even though that was five minutes ago, uh, and three <laughs> chakras takes like only a few seconds, uh, it you know things change. Um, the other thing here is that Aang breaks out the L word. He says he loves her, and man, that's moving fast. I mean, they've only known each other for a bit. I guess they've got on some adventures and such, but I don't know. It seems like uh, Aang breaking out the L word here is kind of a big deal. Yeah, I agree. This is the first time we hear it all series, right? I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. No, Aang really does love Katara. And then the thing That's is... a big deal. Yeah, no, it definitely is, honestly. Yep. Um, at the same time that that is happening, Katara is running into trying to tell the Earth King about what happened. Uh, he then sees... Uh, or then she sees the Kyoshi warriors. And one thing she says is a little odd. So she says, like, oh, thank goodness you're here, Suki. Um like it, it makes me a little confused. Like, does Katara just think that every Kyoshi warrior is Suki? No, maybe. Well, they were uh, I, actually. That's a very good point. I was gonna try to argue against it, but yeah, because there's only three Kyoshi warriors, and she just assumes that Suki is one of them. Maybe Suki yeah. has a distinct look to her outfit, but to me, they all look the same. So I have no idea. Maybe yeah. Azula's wearing Suki's outfit. Who the heck knows? But that's a See, very good point on your part. See, that's what I was going to say is like, so like she could see the Kyoshi warriors and assume that Suki is like there, but there's, there's only three of the warriors that are actually like in front of Katara and there are definitely many more than three total. And so it's kind of weird to assume that one of them is Suki. Like, I don't know, like maybe Suki's got like a special sash or something or like, I don't know, maybe her makeup's like slightly more winged I, like i have no idea no. but it did seem like very odd for her to say like oh thank goodness you're here suki no i agree but little did she know it was not suki no very little. very much not um she even says like the fire nation infiltrated the city which azula when she, uh, she heard that must have been like wait what you know about this like that's weird <laughs> um but instead she says i saw prince zuko uh we need to tell the earth king and Azula's like, oh, don't worry. Uh, like, I'll, I'll let him know. And this is when Katara realizes that this is not exactly who she thinks it is, and that the Kyoshi warriors are actually Fire Nation, Azula Mei, and Tai Lee. As she's getting ready to attack, Tai Lee does an incredible jump forward, blocks her chi. Uh, this, again, comes up, the chi versus chakra. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yep, and she's left defenseless. Yeah, and this is like, we don't have any battle of the battles. This is about the extent of the any action we get in this. Uh, Ty Lee's backflip into ending Katara's ex- um, life yeah. here, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, like, totally knocks her out here. And I did think it was very funny, like, as she's laying on the ground, um, like, a bunch of water pools at her body, because uh, it, like, shows, like, the water she's going to use to attack. And, like, in the HBO series, like, this would have been blood. Uh, like if they're taking her out and this like was like the big moment like this would have been a pool of blood not a pool of like random water I love how we always harken back to this like <laughs> non-existent HBO series it's such a good reference <laughs> such a good reference uh, imagine if Avatar was 18 and up 
I really do think that that's like probably one of the things that we mentioned the most. Like that, the fact that they're putting together some sort of sports team. <laughs> and it's been then, a while since we put together the sports team. We haven't had that's any true. new. But, we haven't had any new additions to the basketball team or Olympic team. It does look like uh, Tylee's making a case uh, with that jump. She's she's trying to make the team. Jump. Oh no, we we've talked about it. Tylee's is like MVP on one of these teams for sure. I mean, wow. Tylee versus Simone Biles. I'd pick Tylee. Wow. Yeah. You know, Simone Biles is so good that like there are things that are named after her because she's the only one who does them. Yeah, I think Tylee's better. That's my right. hot take. All right. Like, you know Tylee's what? a you better gymnast. I mean, we've seen no, Tylee no. jump like 20 feet directly in the air. She doesn't got no bouncy gymnast stuff to help her out. She's just doing that all by herself. No powers, no nothing. I was going to let this go, Zach, but then I realized that you're Canadian and you're just hating on one of America's <laughs> greatest athletes. You're just trying to put America down. You know what? I'm not letting this happen. Simone Biles is the greatest gymnast. Simone <laughs> Biles would kick Tylee's ass. And that's coming from an Avatar fan. I mean, it's, I, my it's money's not, on, on Tylee's not representing Canada. I don't know why we have to bring the countries into this. No, it's, well, because well, I was thinking, like, aren't you, like, because, you know, every time I turn on the TV, I see, like, commercials with Simone Biles, like, either on Grubhub or, like, Uber Eats or whatever, or, like, tapping her Visa card. So, like, I feel like I've got some, like, a lot of Simone Biles exposure. I feel like I've got, I have Simone Biles pride. As uh, as an American, <laughs> but you don't have either of those. So you know what? I I just think that you're biased. Yeah, no, you caught me. I am biased. I hate Simone Biles and all things American. That's what I'm here on this podcast to talk about. You almost got me. You almost infiltrated from the inside, Zach. But I was I was ready for it. Nice, nice, good. You almost stuff. took down uh, <laughs> took down our American pride. <laughs> but no, there are very few things that I'm actually like proud of as an american but i will say our gymnastics team is like pretty legit like they constantly are doing like very well which is yeah that that's one thing that i'm so i hear so i I do like the uh usa gymnastics nice i mess with them too i mean i'm just i never watched the olympics but this year i'm so there's nothing there's like not as many sports on nowadays so i'm just going to be following the olympics more closely this summer all right. Well, you know what? Even though you said Ty Lee would beat Simone Biles, you can still cheer for them. I'll still let you cheer for, uh, <laughs> cheer for them. All right. There we go. We've come to an agreement. You don't have to cheer for like Russia or whoever else will be second. <laughs> yeah, definitely won't be Canada. We suck at the Summer Olympics. We're only good at yeah. the winter. Well, that makes sense. You know, you have more winter than than summer in your uh, in the in the entire country, right? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. No, there are places that are pretty warm. Like when we had the Winter Olympics here, they had to like shovel in snow. They had to bring in snow, uh, artificial snow, because it's so hot here. In the Vancouver one? Yes. Wow. I had a Vancouver Winter Olympics video game. I have to say, I was so sick at the luge event. Like the other ones I was fine at, but luge every time I was getting gold. Like I was wow. incredible at it, so watch out on the hardest difficulty too. So, oh wow, what, what a beast! What a video game master! That's True that's what I'm saying, me. Zach. Yeah, <laughs> it, I would unlock that chakra in one second. The luge chakra. <laughs> the luge chakra. <laughs> it's it's over with. It is over with. <laughs> uh, 
what does that deal with and what is it blocked by the loose uh, it, it deals with uh icy quickness uh on on the loose track <laughs> and it's blocked by a slow start time <laughs> There you go, the loose chakra. The well, loose should chakra. we go back to Avatar? Where were we? Like, what were we talking about um, to get to the? You know, that is a great point. We were supposed. We to were talking about Azula infiltrating. Yes, so we're, rushing in. Yeah. Yes, we were talking about that, and Azula then finds out that Zuko is in the city, uh, and we go back to the Eastern Air Temple. Um, yeah, that is what we were talking about. Yes, and then we get this in the Eastern Air Temple. We get this cool vision of Aang. He's walking on this narrow pathway above the stars towards a giant vision of himself in the Avatar state. But it's interrupted by a vision of Katara getting captured. That's the issue here. Yeah, it does seem like Aang is doing well. Like He seems like he's letting go. He's like getting to the point where he is going to, I guess, master that last chakra. And we see like giant ang uh ready to go ang like holds real like avatar say ang holds like real ang in his hands or whatever uh, yep. yes this this is interrupted by the fact that katar is being taken away and immediately he like snaps back to it uh the the whole path that he was going on disappears and he falls back uh which takes away his connection to the avatar state it really is unfortunate that Katara is in danger here because it does seem like Aang was making progress um, and the guru chews him out. Yeah, the guru does chew him out. And you're absolutely right. Had Katara not been captured, Aang unlocks the Avatar state here and can just go into it freely. So that makes a big yeah. difference for the rest of the series. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a pretty big swing, honestly, going from like uh, not being able to go into the Avatar state at all to being able to freely control it. Like that, that is too bad for him. But um, the guru is saying, like, look, uh, if you if you leave now, you're not going to be able to go into the avatar state at all. Aang doesn't care. Uh, Aang, like, without really skipping a beat, sort of, like, heads off uh, and, like, pretty quickly gets out of there. One thing I got to say for Aang is he is loyal. He's very committed. Yeah, true. We were talking about how he's not the most loyal friend for ditching soccer right away. But as soon as Katara is in trouble, he immediately rushes to her aid. So... Yep. Yeah. He, he's not a good chauffeur, but he's definitely like, uh, he'll show up when he's needed. Um, exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, yeah, you know, if he loves Katara so much, that should probably extend to Sokka a bit, but maybe he's not full L word with Sokka yet. <laughs> That's true. But you should love like your girlfriend's brother or just at least like them and, uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, we go back uh, to see, Toph uh, being carted away, but then they they hear like a big noise, uh, Mm -hmm. Jin Fu and Master Yu. And as they go back, they see a gigantic hole and no Toph in the cage anymore. Uh, Master Yu, again, is just not with the program. (laughs) Uh, Very slow guy, I guess. Um, Maybe he's like sleep deprived from trying to hunt down Toph or something, because I don't know how this guy's a master of anything. He's like, oh, it's it's a giant, or it's one, it's a trick, or something like that. Yeah, he's like, there's like, a giant hole. There's a giant hole in the box. That's a, Is that a trick? And then Toph's like, it's not a trick. It's the real deal. And then she bends both of them into the metal box. Yeah, Master Yu here is like totally lost in the sauce. He's got no clue what's going on. And Jin Fu's like, how is this a trick? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Jin Fu always seems so incensed and angry at um, <laughs> Master Yu, which is so funny. That's why I I, lo- I do enjoy their buddy cop dynamic because they seem to have genuine disdain for one another. 
Yes, uh, they do definitely get really annoyed. Um, but Toph really starts stunting on it. Not only does she earthbend the two people right into the cage and metal bends the cage shut, but then she like full on stunts and says, I'm the greatest earthbender in the world. Don't you two dumb dunderheads ever forget it. Uh, and like, what an absolute move to just stunt on them. Yeah, what a boss, honestly. Shout out Toph. I mean, Azula's the MVP of this episode, but Toph's a close second for creating metal bending in this moment. Yeah, literally creating an entire class of bending and then like having the absolute confidence to be like, I'm the best earthbender in the world. Like, don't at me. I'm the, I'm the greatest. <laughs> um, and then Master Yu, as uh, Toph's like going away, is saying that he has to go to the bathroom, to which Jin Fu just like hits his head on the box. <laughs> Poor Jin Fu. I think in that exactly. moment, Jin Fu would just do anything not to be stuck inside that metal box. Exactly. The other cool thing that we see here is that Toph uses something that is called earth surfing in order to get back to bossing, say, literally turning the earth into like a water like substance and then like riding it as it's like going down on the road. Um, you know, we've seen Aang uh, run as quickly as he can uh, so fast that he like knocks the, the branches off trees. Toph's not as fast, but this is a very efficient form of travel. Yeah, I have in my notes. I love the way she runs while earthbending. It looks so cool surfing on the earth, pretty much. Like, it's almost like she's like sprinting, and each sprint, she, each step she takes, there's like a wave of earth guiding her. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty effective. Yeah. Um, anyway, we go back to the Water Tribe camp. Uh, Sokka and Hakoda are talking. Uh, they're talking about like fighting the Fire Nation. Um, you know, Hakoda's very proud of of uh, Sokka saying like, oh, you're such a great warrior. Like, I'm so proud of you. Sokka's like, oh, really? And Hakoda's like, yes. Like, what do you expect me to say? Uh, <laughs> True. He, he doesn't say that exactly. He's no, like, of course not. he says like, why do you think I trusted you uh, whenever I left? If I, if I didn't think that you were great or whatever. But like, what was he going to say? He was going to be like, no, nah, you're actually a little shit. Uh, get out of here. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're what? actually the worst warrior ever. We hate you. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Sokka really feels inferior here. Like, I Sokka's think he needs kind of- to unlock a few chakras himself. Yeah, Sokka's kind of fishing for compliments here, honestly. And they're gearing up for battle when a forlorn Aang drops in. And then Sokka's like, oh, no, this can't be good. Yeah, because they've only been there for like, I don't know, one, maybe two days. Uh, it was supposed to be a week. And so obviously Sokka knows that something is wrong um, and they're going to have to leave it there. Sokka will have to leave Hakoda and not see him uh, for the time being. Yep. And then we cut back to Azula and the, the Dai Li agents take her to Long Feng, who wants to strike up a deal. And then he, Long Feng tells Azula he can get her the Avatar. Yeah, so uh, Azula really plays this well because Azula's like, oh, you're not going to treat a Kyoshi warrior this way. And she lets Long Fang reveal the information like, but you're not a Kyoshi warrior. You're actually Princess Azula. And Azula is like, looks as if she's like, oh my gosh, like you found out my biggest secret. But we know earlier, obviously, that she had planned this out. Uh, and this was all part of the plan. Yeah, Long Fang has a pretty good deal here. You know, I get bossing say, you could be Avatar. Obviously, Azula would just betray him, like if she if it came to that. Um, but yeah, Azula gets everything she wants, and obviously, that's the case. She's the mastermind. Yeah, she's going to end up getting Bossing Say and the Avatar, so she's going to end up getting both these things. 
Yeah. And then we cut back to Iroh receiving an invitation to serve tea to the Earth King. But what little does he know, this has been orchestrated by Azula. So yeah, it's all cool. coming into place. Yep. Um, it does seem like if Iroh was able to serve uh, tea to the Earth King so quickly, he would have to pay for that upgrade. Like, there's no way you get that day one if you're like not paying for it. Well, I mean, Iroh's tea has like caused such an uproar in the city. It's like the most delicious tea that anyone's ever had, apparently. So I like I I think it's not that surprising that he ended up getting picked to go serve the Earth King. Like I can see why he believed it in a way. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But like. How good of a drink can tea really be? Like, yeah, no one's favorite food is like grilled cheese. And that's because like, no matter how good a grilled cheese is, it's never like incredible. It's only like pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not, I mean, I like tea. I drink tea, but I'm not the biggest tea fanatic myself. But in the Avatar universe, tea is just different. Like everybody just loves tea. Tea is like this uniting drink for some reason that just bonds people together. That just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, like no matter how good a tea is, like, I don't know. I'd rather cream soda or like, like any other drink. I don't know. I think I'd rather tea over cream soda personally. (laughs) I get me too. Actually, I, I don't really drink soda. <laughs> cream soda. I'm too, just, too. honestly, I prefer water over tea. Uh, so maybe I've just had bad teas. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, that's the episode. I, I really feel like even when we were recapping this, there's like so many small scenes, so much jumping back and forth. Like, yeah, I, like as we're like talking about the episode itself, wrapping up here, I think this is kind of what the episode struggles from: is that there are so many storylines that they're trying to, to to fit in here, like. There's the like stuff with Hakoda and Sokka, which is a small part. There's the stuff with Katara that's a small part. Um, there's the Azula stuff, the Zuko and Iroh stuff, and all of that as Aang is like going uh, undergoing a spiritual transformation, unlocking seven chakras. Like there's a lot of information to get to in this in this episode. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot going on in this episode, and that does kind of hinder it a little bit. Though after talking the episode through with you, I do think I enjoyed a little more than when I initially watched it. Yeah. Has there ever been an episode where you've liked watching it more than talking with me? I won't be offended, but I feel like, I feel like this is always the the case. Like I feel like talking through the episodes is way more fun than like watching the exposition filled ones. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, talking just, it it bumps the episode up for me, honestly. I feel like even when we've podcast about some bad episodes, like Bato of the Water Tribe, (laughs) that's why I gave it like a 2.4 or whatever. You know what? Yeah, after talking about it, it did make it a little better. Okay. Well, just let me know. If there's ever an episode that you really like that after you talk to me, you're like, eh, that episode sucks. Like, let me know. (laughs) Sure. I'll let you know. You could do the same for me, of course. Okay. Okay. Um, no, so, so far so good, but I agree. Like, I do think that like this episode has a lot going on. It's all stuff that needs to happen though. Like the next episode is so good. There's so much that happens in the crossroads of destiny in the finale. Um, but in order to get to that point, we really do have a lot happening this week. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's rate this episode. Um, every week we give our ratings zero to four cabbages. You can write in with your ratings avatar at poshorecaps.com or tweet us at poshorecaps or get in contact us with us any other way, uh, to give us your ratings for the episode. Um, but yeah, we, we love to rate the episodes and get our official ang in their ranking for the episode rankings. Um, Zach, you want to start us off this week? Yeah, I'll start us off. I'm going to give this episode a 3.2 out of 4. 
solid score, not terrible, like close to an 80%. So that's my score. Yeah. uh, You know, I'm at a three on this episode. I think that this episode, you know, it passes. It does. It does what it needs to do. Uh, There's just a lot of exposition. There's a lot of stuff to be getting through. I think that Victor uh, like summed it up pretty well. Like it's a lot of setup, but the good parts are, are pretty good. Like the Azula stuff is really good. Like some of the stuff with the guru is like pretty cool to see. Um, But yeah, like it is just so much setup. Uh, I, I think that other people felt pretty similarly. Uh, they're a little bit higher than either of us at a 3.24, but essentially agreeing with you, leaving the episode at a 3.15, almost uh, almost a 3.14 like Pi. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Too bad it's not Pi Day, like the one time we recorded on Pi Day. Oh, man, I was so excited. That's, uh, <laughs> man, I, yeah, Pi Day is such a good holiday. Nice, nice. And then there's no battles this episode, so should we get is there any listener feedback this week? Um yeah, I mean we've we've gone through a few of the questions already. Uh Dan did have one question. Uh he said first time you watched was Hakoda what you expected? Yeah, pretty much. Just like the gentle father figure with the deep voice. Kind of like every time I see a father figure in a cartoon, it always reminds me of like Mufasa from Lion King. They're all like kind of exactly in that mold. You know what I mean? Like they're all just kind of like the deep voice father figure. I feel like it's so common in TV. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think ultimately like Hakoda doesn't really do much for me. Like he's kind of boring. Uh, I feel like even Bato has more character. Like so, like, if you notice, like, Bato's arms still had the, like, scars from the last episode that we saw. Yes. Like, I thought that was a really cool detail. And I think that's, like, more detail than we got out of anything that Hakoda had. Like, everything with Hakoda was very straightforward. Like, all of his responses were exactly what you'd expect. Like, he's not going to say he's not proud of his son. Um, and I, I kind of just thought he was, like, replacement-level dad. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Replacement-level dad. That's a pretty apt description. Yeah. Um, Sarah asked, which chakra do you think would be the easiest for you to unlock and which would be the hardest? Oh, let me go through them again. <laughs> I have them I mean, all in my notes, but because they're all in different spots, yep. you know what I mean? Let's see. The sure. easiest for me, hmm, the, you know what the hardest for me would be like deals with pleasure and is blocked by guilt because I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I feel guilty about some stuff in my past. So that would be difficult for me. The easiest, really? the hardest one isn't like uh pure cosmic energy. Oh yeah, true. That's true. True. <laughs> like, true. I don't think maybe, I'm letting maybe pure like, cosmic energy anytime soon. No, you're exactly right. like maybe guilt's like a close second or something. But like all earthly attachment seems like pretty hard. No, you're right. Uh, you're right. That is the hardest by far. Honestly. Yeah, I, I think the easiest one's probably like the the sound chakra that's blocked by lies because all the Aang has to do is say I'm the Avatar. Like I'm a podcaster. <laughs> Done. Yeah, but- I I think she, she was asking relative to ourselves, right? Not yeah, I, no, I so agree. You, so, you, so you think I, that's I'm a podcaster. I'm a, I did it. I did it, Zach. Wow. Oh my gosh, my throat feels so cl- so clear. I'm not sick anymore. It was oh, all I wow. needed. Oh, look at that. You just had to say you, you had to stop lying. <laughs> you just had to not lie for one second. Exactly. Wow. As, as I mute to cough. Uh, <laughs> I was going to, that's why I was laughing, but I didn't want to put you on blast. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been, uh, hopefully, hopefully I muted every time, but yeah, I've been having to mute to, uh, to cough. So clearly the, the lies did not, um, did not fix my throat. But yeah, I mean, I, that seems like the easiest one to me to overcome, Zach. Is there mm-hmm. one that seems easier to you? 
not particularly. The fire chakra, actually. It okay. Deals with willpower blocked by shame. I feel like, yeah, I'm not really ashamed of anything. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, last thing we have, Victor wrote in. Uh, he's, he did say one thing that that was very funny. Uh, he said, the fact that Tylee responded so quickly to Azula's comment about having a great opportunity with quote, May finally gets to wear makeup that isn't depressing, quote, makes me think that May's makeup uh, might have been in her mind for quite a while. Uh, that That is true. Like, that one was locked and loaded. Uh, yeah, Ty Lee was just, just eyeing May's terrible makeup for such a long time. Was just eating at her. I mean, Ty yeah. Lee's such a, usually a positive, nice person, but even she had to get that jab out. She couldn't help herself. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's brutal out here. No one's safe. Um, anyway, yep. That is all the listener feedback we have for this episode. Thank you so much for writing in. If you have any listener feedback, you can always write in avatar at postshowrecaps.com. Um, and yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we'll, you know, mention you on the podcast next time. Yeah. And Uh, if you like what you're hearing, you can smash that five-star review at postshowrecaps.com slash ATLA. Give us them five-star reviews absolutely smash those five-star reviews uh next week we'll be back to talk about season two finale the crossroads of destiny an absolutely great episode i'm excited to talk through that one and then uh yeah the next week we'll do our season two retrospective so get excited for that there we go um yep until next week that is all we have for you. Uh, Zach, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at ZachMohammed32. And where can they find you, Jacob? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at JKRedman. Um, yep. Until next time, uh, hopefully feeling better. Uh, we'll see you next week. Peace out, everyone. Bye. Bye. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.